So if you'll please turn in your Bible to John chapter 15. We're going to be concluding this morning with the idea of the simplicity of the Christian life. Most people do not describe the Christian life like that. They describe it as challenges, as difficult, as, as many other things. But we're going to be talking about the simplicity of the Christian life. How many of you have ever faced something that seemed nearly impossible until somebody showed you how to do it? Look at there. I'm wondering if that's where we are this morning. At least I, I hope not. But if that's the case, I hope so. And so I want to show you, because we struggle through our Christian journey, don't we? We're trying to make, we're trying to figure it out. We try something, it doesn't work. And then what do we do then? And, you know, this seems so difficult. And I don't understand why it's so difficult. Isn't his yoke easy and his burden light? Sound familiar? Well, you just have to try harder and rededicate your life. And you just have, you've heard that message before too. But I want you to know something that God has given you everything pertaining to life and godliness right now. You're not lacking anything for everything that God wants you to do. And so that's where our, our hope is found in Christ and, and what he did in us. And so this morning we want to jump into John chapter 15. We're going to read verses uh, 1 through 11. He says, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For if it, verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples, just as the Father abides in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Father, we are so thrilled to spend this time going through your word and to hear from you as you speak to our hearts. And there's so many things that have been taught out of this passage of, of have-tos instead of get-tos. And so I ask you to speak this morning and I ask you to reveal what's true and help us to only embrace that and help us to reject everything that's not truth. Thank you for what you're doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our journey this morning, as we go through the simplicity of the Christian life, we're going to see the work of the Father. We're going to see uh, abide, what it means to abide in Christ. 
and we're going to see the results of that. And so we begin with the work of the Father. John begins this particular chapter by giving us some definitions. He, uh, he defines for, our, for this illustration, for the story that he's sharing with us here, uh, that Jesus is the vine. He defines for us that the Father is the vine dresser. In other words, he's present working the vineyard. And the branches are you and me. And so we have to keep that in mind because so often we get that convoluted in our, in our journey. We want to start taking the work of the vine dresser. And we think it's our work to prune either ourselves or others. That's the Father's work. We want to take the work of the vine where we produce fruit and we try to go do something for God. You ever sat in a service and said to yourself, I want to do something for God. And you just went and did it. And that's the work of the vine. That's Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ. We are the branches. Understanding our place in this relationship will make your journey so much easier. I have tried to do other people's jobs before and it doesn't go well. Anybody ever tried to do that? You say, well, I'll just cover, I'll just go do it. And it becomes a big mess. And that's what happens in our Christian life when we don't understand what our role is. And so uh, if we keep those roles in perspective, I think we're going to be all right. And so he talks about two types of branches. And we're not going to shy away from the difficult parts of this passage. He talks about two different types of branches uh, in the vine. He says there's branches that do not bear fruit. Those are taken away. If a branch is not bearing any fruit. It's not attached to the vine, even though it's there. There's no life in that branch. Because when the life of the vine enters the branch, the fruit is produced. I, it, it, the interesting thing, and some of you have heard this story before, some of you have never heard this. I did a study on grafting. You know, that's kind of a lost art today. I mean, how many of you have ever grafted a branch into a tree? Two, three, Wow. Man, that's awesome. I get it. All right. So you guys know. I did a study and I found out if you take an apple branch and graft it into a peach tree, do you know what you get? How many say peaches? How many say apples? How many are afraid to answer? <laughs> if you take an apple branch and you graft it into a peach tree, you get apples. Because the value is in the branch. And so the gift that God has placed within you comes alive when we're grafted into the vine. He brings it alive. We don't go out there and go, well, I'm going to go make it. So I'm just going to, my branch is going to go over here. And I'm going to stand over by myself away from the tree. And I'm going to start producing apples. Have you ever seen a tree that did, a branch that did that? When the tree gets separated from the, the trunk, if you will, or the vine, what happens? It dies. And so even, there are some trees that that happens, there are some branches that that happens to when they're, when they're still technically attached, but there's no life in them. And so that's what he's addressing. He's not saying, well, you better produce fruit or I'm going to cut you off. You ever heard that sermon? That's not the way it works. God isn't, God is a God of grace and mercy. We talked about that last week. And so that's not his heart and his concern. But he does take those away so that 
there's not a distraction to the other branches. And that's the work of the Father. But branches that bear fruit, what does the Father say about them? They get pruned, so they will bear more fruit. And so, how many... <laughs> see, good enough is not good enough. Right? How many of you have ever wanted to be a fruit-producing branch for the Lord? Y'all all nervous. <laughs> We're like, we ain't voting no more. <laughs> yeah, and we have that desire. We want to do that. And we start producing fruit. We want to be used in greater ways. And the way that happens is through pruning. Now, how many of you want <laughs> But that's the way it works. Because God prunes us so that he can use us so we can be more effective. Let me tell you something. We're so afraid of the correction of God. Let me tell you about the correction of God. When it comes, it comes with hope. It comes with this idea of, I've got so much more for you that you're missing out on. Why would you grasp and hold on to that? It doesn't come, you know, like as kids, there's this fear of correction, right? That we're going we're gonna to have to face this uh, spanking and it's going to be bad and I'm going to be hurt and it's going to be all be upset. And we apply that to God, but that's not how God works. God is trying to bring... <laughs> he doesn't just prune the branch to hurt the branch. He prunes the branch so that it can be everything it's created to be. And that's the, that's the beauty of the journey. And so, But that's the work of the Father. And so He does that constantly. See, they, He tells them... That, yeah, that's the really cool thing about this is you have these... these verses in here that seem unattached. They're like, in the middle, he goes, he just dropped something in there. But they totally explain what's going on. And so he says that they were already clean because of the word that Jesus spoke to them. See, as you go back to John chapter 14, what he's talking to them is about their, their relationship with the Lord and the Holy Spirit that's within them and the transformation that took place when they entered a relationship with Christ. So as he's talking about what the Father's doing here, and he, and he says that you're already clean because of the word Jesus spoke to you, he had just talked to them about that and how it worked. And so true disciples find themselves abiding in Christ naturally because they love him. Love is what drives us. Didn't Paul say, it's the love of Christ that constraineth me to go? We're commanded to love one another, love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we love one another in all. In these two commandments, all the commandments are found. Parents, does loving your children include correction at times? How many of, how many of you ha, parents have either said or heard your parents tell you, well, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you? You ever heard that? How many of you ever thought your parents were lying when they said that? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> that ain't true! And how many of you that are parents now who heard that when you were a kid understand the phrase now? Right? Because it does hurt you. Kids, it hurts your parents to have to correct you. So don't think that they're getting... I mean, when something's going on, they're hurting because you're hurting yourself. But the Father does this work. And so they were already... Saved. They were already in a relationship with Christ. And so we see the work of the Father in the simplicity of the Christian life. See, 
the takeaways for us on, on some of this is we don't, it's not our job to be the, the teacher corrector of other people. It's not our job to try to figure out what's wrong with us and fix it. I'm going to work harder. And these are my weaknesses. And God, how many of you ever turned your weaknesses over to the Lord and say, fix them, fix them. You ever done that? I surrender these so that I can be whole. See, we believe the idea we're not whole if we have a weakness. When we already, before we even started, we said that he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. I would encourage you to not turn over your weakness. Bob, could you turn it all over? But not focus on your weaknesses. I have yet to meet a person that has said, Lord, I'm turning over all of my strengths into your hand to let you empower them for your glory. Because see, we rely on them. We don't need God where we're strong, right? We only need God where we're weak or where we fail. That's not true. See, that's a, that's, <laughs> that's a deception of the enemy. We need God all the time in every circumstance with everything we face and especially in our strengths because he gave them to us to be used for his glory. And as long as we hold those and say, well, I'm safe in this and I'm keeping this for me and we want God to fix our weaknesses, which he gave us because either he's not going to use us there or he is going to use us there and there won't be any way we can take credit. That's his choice. Let's surrender. You know, I surrender all. I'm lying right now. You know, that's how we have to literally write that song. Because do we surrender all? You ever, I mean, you've all, you have all ever heard that song? I surrender all? Have you ever sang that song? While you were singing that song, have you ever thought of something that you didn't want to surrender? <laughs> I mean, I can't be the only one. <laughs> I've done that. But it's the work of the Father to print. And to transform. And then we move from there. So he talks about the work that the Father's doing. Remember who the vine is? That's Christ, the branches, and the Father dresses the dresses the vines. And the branches. Dresses the branches, really. But he moves on to this abiding in Christ. How many of you ever heard that phrase before? Abiding in Christ. I'm abiding in Christ. How many of you like yeah, I've heard that. I know we should do that, but I have no idea what that means. I've been through that, right? We use stuff in church all the time. We have no idea what it really means. We go, yeah, that's good. Yeah, propitiation. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Oh, yeah. I went to church today. You know, I mean, either if we don't understand, what's the point? I mean, Paul talked about that in relation to some other things. And so he talks about abiding in Christ. <laughs> What does that mean? I'm going to give you a dictionary. I'm going to give you a dictionary definition of it, which shocked me, honestly. But then I'm going to pull out of the verses through this passage, and I'm going to show you how it's being applied. The dictionary definition of uh, abiding defines abiding as to accept or act in accordance with. You ever heard it like that? We always say it just means resting in Christ. I'm just resting. He's my hammock, and I'm the one who gets to relax and do nothing. And we kind of think of abide like that, right? But by definition, it means to accept or act in accordance with. So I will abide by your ruling, Your Honor. I will abide by what you've asked of me here. So if it means this, to accept or act in accordance with, if I accept the direction and leadership with the Lord 
and act in accordance with that, I'm abiding in Christ. And it seems to match what he says in here about abiding. And so watch that. I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to traverse this whole passage right here in this. Having faith in him, found in verse 3, is abiding. So, now how is faith and belief different? Faith only happens when you act. There is no faith outside of behavior. There's no faith outside of saying, I believe so much. I move from belief to faith when I say yes and I follow and I do what God has said. So you can't say that you have faith in God and never trust him and act based upon what he's told you. You don't have faith. You hope you have faith. You wish to have faith. You have belief. That's why he said even the demons believe and they tremble. But they don't act on what he says. That's the difference. They know the truth. They don't even speak the truth. And he stopped them from doing that so that people wouldn't listen to them and they would listen to him. Because he doesn't want them to find truth in the enemy because the enemy is not a container of truth. He's a deceiver of truth, a twister of truth. He'll lie to you. He'll bring enough. Don says it all the time. The best lie has has truth mixed in it. And he's right. So having faith in him, it's about the relationship. I trust him to lead my life. You know, what blows my mind is we'll trust him for eternal security. We'll trust him to keep us safe and get us to heaven. But we won't trust him to lead us in our daily lives with each little issue we face. Well, I'll only take the big stuff to him. I'll handle this other stuff. Aren't we supposed to trust him and in all things? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will lead you. Well, but, you know, does he care whether I have peanut butter and jelly or a ham sandwich today? He does. That's just a decision we make. But he does, he cares. You think he doesn't care about the little things? He cares about you. Remember we talked about a couple weeks ago about how God not only loves you, but likes you. And we had a harder time saying he liked us than he loved us because he's got to love us like our parents. They have to love me. Whether they like me is a choice. But God chooses to like you. He's even twirling over you. That's what the Bible says. I didn't write it. I may twirl over some of you, but not all of you. That's what it says. They shouts over you. We're used to being shouted at, not over. <laughs> That's what God's word says. Either we accept it or we don't. And so abiding in him, having faith is abiding. Obedience to him, verse 7. Where we let him lead. Faith in action. Is abiding. We rely on the love of Christ. We're resting in Him. And we receive pruning, which is submission and correction. That's what's going on here with the branches. And we let Him work on us. We say, yes, when He comes to prune us, we don't fight Him. That's what it means to abide. We're to rest in His love. 
But if that's abiding, we need to discuss what we need to discuss fruit for a minute. So far, in this passage, there's three there's three different kinds of fruit. Did y'all notice them? Anybody notice them? We're not looking for apples and peaches, just so you know. Just trying to help you out. There's fruit, there's more fruit, and there's much fruit. I have a friend that says there's also perfect fruit. That's a whole other conversation. We're not going to cover that this morning. But who is the who's the father pruning? The branches that are bearing fruit, right? So there's branches that are bearing fruit who the father goes to and prunes so they can bear more fruit. Okay? So the father's pruning brings us to more fruit. But then the much fruit comes as we learn to abide in Christ. See, folks, we're told apart from him, what can we do? But we sure try. We sure try. We live in a country that tells you if you're going to make it, you've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You've got to buckle down and study harder. You've got you to apply yourself if you're going to make it. And we bring that into our Christian relationship and it's contrary to the word of God. Abide is the answer. You can't, apart from him, you can do nothing. So all the wonderful things you think you've done for God, if you did them apart from him, they're nothing. Aren't you glad you came this morning? <laughs> if you're a seeker of truth, I hope, I hope you're glad. Because that's relieving, man. That's relieving. All I have to do is say yes and follow and go, wait a minute, what about that? I had that conversation. I'm not sure about that. I'm not, you know, you want me to do what? I can't talk that good. You want to talk, let me do, I'm going to chase this rabbit for just a second. <laughs> you want to talk about God using your weaknesses? I used to get really sick before I had to speak publicly. <laughs> And it, I mean, like physically sick. When God called Moses, what did Moses say? You remember that? Why don't you get Aaron? He can talk good. That's what he said. Why didn't God call Aaron? Why did he call Moses? Because Moses couldn't talk good. And God would get the glory. So don't think that God can't work through you. In any way possible. He's not limited. See, so we have fruit, which is the natural result of being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, I've been saved, and let me just tell you about Jesus. It's such a cool thing. God's just teaching me, and, and so the fruit just happens because I'm in a relationship. The Father comes in and does some pruning, and we get more fruit, which is the result of growing in the Lord. Because that's what happens when you receive the pruning. But then we move to this much fruit stage of abiding in Christ. And that's where the very life of Christ begins to produce fruit on your branch. And flows through you. The world sees him in you. And the world is uh, impacted through him. So then he tells us in verse 6. He says, those who do not abide are removed. Why? Why? <laughs> 
Here's why. Because if God gave life to the branches who were not abiding, then he would be encouraging them to live apart from him, which defeats his purpose. Y'all follow me? If God gave fruit to the branches who were not abiding, then that would defeat his purpose of being in a relationship, a living, healthy relationship with us. He has to remove them because it would teach us to go away from God and toward ourselves. That's why they have to go. And so it's very important, ladies and gentlemen, that we abide in Christ. We are not going to come up with a program that's going to change the world. Jesus changed the world. When he went to the cross, that changes the world. The hope of glory is Jesus Christ. It's not some program that New Life can come to help people. And I want to help people. Don't get me wrong. I'd like to do it. My whole life's dedicated to that very thing. It's trying to be there for people and help them. But that's not his, his journey for us. And that may be his journey for you. His journey today may be that I just, I just weep with somebody who's weeping. That might be my fruit today. How many of you have ever just been... Yeah, you ever heard this one yet? How many of you ever felt lonely in a crowd? I've been there too. And you just wish somebody would see you. How many of you have ever noticed somebody just kind of looked by themselves, but you, you noted that to yourself? Maybe your ministry and your fruit that day was just to go sit and talk with them. How much would that have meant to you if somebody had done that to you when you felt alone? See what I'm saying? We think fruit, we, we want to define fruit, but God gives us these, we see these things every now and then. I was telling the guys yesterday at men's breakfast that I'm trying to respond. You ever have those fleeting thoughts, I should call somebody or write them or find out about them and it just kind of, just kind of goes away? I've started trying to respond to that as those come across my mind. And I've had some of the coolest exchanges. And so I'm, I'm starting to wonder if we really do hear the voice of God, but we don't recognize it as such. We think it's just a thought we had and we dismiss it. I don't want to take that chance. I want to find out and see what God is up to. And so... We abide in Him. That's the only way. That is the only way. Listen to me. That is the only way that will ever bear much fruit. There's no other way. It's not by working harder, trying harder. It's by abiding in Christ. Well, let me share with you the results of abiding. If you abide in Him and His words abide in you, isn't that interesting? If I abide in Him, His words are going to abide in me. Because what he says, what he says here abides in me. It stays with me. This is how I live. I, I, I trust it. I live by it. I love it. And I'm abiding in him, which means I accept and I'm going to follow. Then what happens? He says here that you're in verses 7 through 11. That your prayers are answered. Your prayers are answered. How would you like to have every prayer you ever prayed answered? That's kind of scary a little bit, isn't it? 
How many of you, don't raise your hand. How many said, man, that's just not possible. He's not going to do that. Ooh, I'm hitting a nerve. I feel it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you why our prayers are not answered. He tells us in another passage that our prayers are not answered because we pray for selfish motives. For reasons for us. Instead of his will. But in this case, when I'm abiding with him and his words are abiding in me, when I'm praying, I'm praying for the very will of God because I understand it and I know what's going on because he's showing me because I'm abiding in him. I'm knowing what to pray. And when I'm praying, then he answers my prayers because it aligns with him. God will answer every prayer that aligns with his will. Well, you don't know what I was praying for and I don't understand how it wasn't God's will. There's th- I'm going to be honest with you. There's things in this journey that I don't understand. But God does. Because God has a different perspective than I do. My perspective is limited. Have it, have, how many of you have ever had a miscommunication with somebody? And it had to do with how you saw things, right? I think that's what happens in our prayer life. We have a miscommunication. We see it this way, but God is like, no, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm doing something here. I'm up to something. I can't do that because it'll undermine that. But when we walk and abide with him, we can ask whatever we will because it's a part of what his, his will is. And so that's, that's one of the beautiful things that comes with abiding. The results of abiding is that you glorify the Father. See, he, really, <laughs> he receives glory when our life reveals his word. That's how we glory. Doesn't Romans 12 talk about that? That we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. That's why we glorify Him, because we tell the world that this is true. By our life. And it's undeniable. The results of our body is that His joy will be in you and your joy will be full. Let me tell you something. There is no joy apart from Him. And we want to use, and I've, I've heard recently, I don't know why this has come up so much recently, we confuse happiness with joy. Well, that makes me happy. Now I'm sad. Now I'm happy. Now I'm sad. You ever been that night roller coaster? You ever had that in, in like a single day where you're like, something really great happens, and then you're so excited, and you back your car out, and you back into somebody. And you're like, oh, man. And then you have this great conversation. And you're like, "Ooh, that was really cool. I met, you know, my neighbor that I just wrecked her car. <laughs> and then, you know, then something really bad happens again. And it seems, and you ride this thing. That's happiness. But joy penetrates all that. Because the Bible says that he doesn't just give us joy, that he is our joy. There is no joy apart from him. And so the world is trying to find it. They're trying to find joy. And they're going to fail at it until they turn to Jesus Christ. Because if he is our joy, joy is not just this overall feeling that we have. It's a result of being in a relationship with him. And this abiding life is the active, living Christian life. It's easy if we're willing to surrender. It's easy. 
And then, well, but God doesn't talk to me. I wonder if maybe he is and we're just not recognizing. My sheep know my voice. A new sheep or a sheep that hadn't been paying attention can come to learn the voice of the shepherd. And don't, if you're a Christian, don't tell me you haven't heard his voice. Because his voice is going to come to you at first and tell you, hey, you're a sinner. You need to be saved. Put your faith in Christ. You've heard his voice. Mm-hmm. And you've responded to it if you're saved. Mm-hmm. And so don't think, you don't sit there and say, I've never heard it. Unless you're lost. And if you're lost, I want you to know there's hope for you. There's hope. His name is Jesus Christ. He died for you because he loves you. And we think, let me tell you, what Jesus went through for us wasn't what the Hollywood portrays with this little trickle of blood. It was horrific. Because that's what our sin is to God. It's horrific. Starting with mine. And so that's not just about, it's about all of us. And so abiding in him, abiding him in him is a choice that we make. Don't let fear or the past keep you from it. Don't let it happen. So what does abiding look like? Well, let me tell you, as you begin to walk this journey of the abiding life in Christ, there's some things that happen. Scripture, let me give you three things that begin to happen. Scripture begins to enlighten your relationship with the Lord and your journey in Him. As you begin to read God's Word, you're like, wow, that's really what I'm going through. Or you start to understand and see things differently than you have before. I got to, I got to witness it firsthand Wednesday. We were uh, in class, I was in class with the students on Wednesday. And we were talking about rejoice. We're, we've been going through uh, Philippians. We're in Philippians 3, verses 1 through 3. Where it says, Rejoice in the Lord. And he says, then he gets says, Beware of dogs. And uh, we had a little fun with that. But one of the students looked and said, Hey, wait a minute. If we're rejoicing in the Lord, we're not going to be drawn away by these other things. I'm like, Yes. Yes. And you know how they, you know how they came to understand that? The Holy Spirit of God showed them. It had nothing to do with me. I just happened to be there and witness it. It's Him. He brings enlightenment. They saw for the first time how their relationship with the Lord affects their journey. What a cool thing. That's what I want for you and for me too. I want to see, oh my goodness. This changes my journey. Because we're engaging the Spirit of God through His Word. And so scripture enlightens your relationship with the Lord and your journey in him. See, his word will begin to speak to you directly to your life and sometimes will even touch things only you know about. That's how God knows us. (laughs) Two, you begin to see him differently as you begin to understand what his word is and how it works to develop the relationship you and others have with it. We're going to see how things work. We're going to see what he's up to in circumstances. And 
are pictures of him that are not accurate, like God sitting up there with a big stick waiting to hit us. Let me tell you, the only big stick that God ever used toward you, somebody jumped in the way, and his name was Jesus Christ, and that big stick got applied to him. He does How many of your sins have been dealt with? If they've all been dealt with, why are you worried about them? Now, I'm not telling you to go sin because if you love the Lord, you don't, you don't have that. You don't have that. I don't, I don't have to fear that. And if you want to go do that, that's up to you. That's between you and the Lord. But that's a reflection of your relationship. Why would I worry about that? Well, because I care about you. But I don't have any control over that. And I think from the people that I've met here, that I know here, nobody would want to do that. And so we see him differently. He's not far off. He didn't just start this thing rolling. This, see, that's why all the stuff we've been covering comes to this one moment. He's not distant. He's not uninvolved. He's not like a boss just get, getting his team together so we can march. I'm not sure that I like the, and I have to be careful here, but because I'm not sure I like the idea of the Christian army. I know I'm going to upset somebody. Because he said we're joint heirs with Christ. We're family with him. We're family with him. That's what it says. I've never, I've never had him say that I was, uh, <laughs> I was a private in his army. <laughs> and so you begin to see differently as you understand his, uh, what his will is and how it works to develop your relationship with us. Three. Your prayer life begins to change as his words abide in you. You will find yourself praying for the things he wants, and you'll see him answer time and time again. Well, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome if the things that touched your heart were the very will of God? That's what happens as you abide. That's what happens as you journey. That's what happens as you walk this life. You know... This week I was read this story about this retired teacher. And she was giving her little nephew some help with his schoolwork. And he was normally a good, attentive child. But on this occasion, he could not fix his mind on his work. And suddenly he said, Aunt Sally, may I kneel down and ask God to help me find my marble? She's trying to teach him. He said, Can I ask? And she's like, well, yeah, go ahead. So the little boy stopped and he prayed. And when he was done praying, they started, she started teaching him again. And he started getting it. Things started clicking. And so she left him and came back a couple of days later. She asked him. She said she was kind of afraid to ask because she, you know, she didn't know if God had showed him what his marble was. She, but she worked up the bravery and she asked him. She said, did you find your marble? And he said, No. But God changed my desire and I don't really care to find it anymore. And so when our hearts align with the Lord, the things we're supposed to care about, we do. And that's the lesson of the little boy. If he had stopped what he was doing to look for that, that may not have been where God wanted him to be. And I want you, ladies and gentlemen, and I want for me, I want us to be exactly where God wants us to be. And what he wants us to be doing. I don't care 
if you are, are three years old or 300 years old. If you have breath in you still, then we still have the opportunity to glorify God today. You can use any excuse you want. I'm too young. You're not too young. I'm too old. I'm set in my ways. Really? God created concrete. He knows how to he knows how to break it up. I'd rather go willingly and journey with him. And so when we abide in Christ, our desires, priorities and focus all change. It all changes. And so my encouragement to you, if you're going to walk this exchange life and live the life that he set apart for you from the foundation of the world, that life, that life is, let me tell you what it is. It's not a book down at Lifeway. It's a relationship with him where he's speaking to your heart, where he's revealing himself, where other people are seeing the relationship you're sharing with him and they ask of the hope that's in you. He gives you insight into the moment as to what his hand is up to. He begins to reveal his word to you. And it's this amazing journey, this amazing walk that we all want, but we want it on our terms. And you can't have it on your terms. It's on his terms. And it comes through surrender and abiding in Christ. And when you do that, you're going to discover more than you ever could have hoped for. And the truth is, we're all there. We just don't realize it. And we're living in this Christianity that has been American-made, American-stamped, instead of washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the life that I want. And the life that's going to allow you to engage and be used and be impactful for Him in this journey. I'd ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.